Hey everybody, this is Ryan, emergency medicine pharmacist and clinical toxicologist, and you are listening to a mini episode of The Poison Lab on bupropion's effects on the cardiac conduction system. We'll be breaking down bupropion's apparent lack of effect on sodium channels and apparent effect on connexins, a key component of cardiac gap junctions, and how all of this can lead to a potentially wide complex QRS on an ECG. And I can think of no better person to help us out with this episode than Dr. Travis Olives. He just gave a presentation at the North American Congress of Clinical Toxicology on Bupropion's effects on gap junctions. And he's graciously agreed to join the show to explain just how Bupropion interferes with cardiac conduction. So, Dr. Olives, could you introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my, my name is Travis Olives. I am the Associate Medical Director for the Minnesota Poison Control System and a faculty emergency physician and toxicologist at Hennepin County Medical Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So, Dr. Olives, can you help us understand what a connexin is? Yeah, I, I certainly can. And just to be clear, this isn't a part of my everyday language. Uh, however, it turns out that in the heart, we have lots of cellular communication mechanisms, one of which we talk about all the time. It's the sodium channel. And it turns out at a cellular level, there are different ways of communicating, one of which is the gap junction. And at the gap junction, which is this space in between two cardiac myocytes, there are these nice little channels that are called connexons. And each one in the human body is made up of, in the human uh, cardiac myocyte is made up of six substructures that are called connexons. And those connexons make up this superstructure that allows for um, communication uh, intercellularly. Now, we're not talking about intracellular communication, but intercellular communication. Uh, Stick with me here for a second. So you have an isolated cardiac myocyte, and it is part of this really cool synchronized contractility of the heart, which we often think about in a linear fashion with depolarization going along. What we see is this surface EKG. In reality, though, we're talking about a very three-dimensional activity that causes a three-dimensional contraction of the heart. So every one of those myocytes is in contact on average with about 11 or so other cells. And gap junctions are what make that intercellular communication possible in large part. Okay, so these are really important in transferring signals between cells. What happens when we inhibit the ability of a gap junction? When that is disrupted, you can have the same uh, challenges in uh, depolarization across a big myocardium that you would see if you had a sodium channel antagonism. And the end result of the gap junction dysfunction by way of the connexons is a widening of that QRS on your surface electrocardiogram. Okay, so as we're going to talk about soon, and as most people probably know, bupropion causes wide QRS complex arrhythmias. And we're saying now that it's maybe not from the normal way we see those in toxicology, the sodium channel block. It's a gap junction. How do we know that bupropion actually targets gap junctions and not sodium channels? There have been really nice uh, in vitro studies looking at patch clamp evaluation of bupropion's effect. It turns out that Kalier and colleagues in, in 2012, in a great paper, demonstrated that even though the QRS widens on the surface electrocardiogram, there isn't actually a significant inhibitory effect of bupropion at the sodium channel, uh, regardless of the concentration studied. It's not a sodium channel blocker as we initially thought. Really fascinating. So we're seeing wide complex QRS on an EKG, but not due to our normal tox-induced sodium channel blockade. But we know that this means there is some form of disordered depolarization going through the ventricle or something delaying that synchronous depolarization. Right. And we talk about the uh, 
the signals being transferred along the cell membrane. And we think about our sodium channels working at the surface level electrocardiogram uh, to widen out that QRS when they're antagonized. And that's the way that we are all taught at one point or another over the course of our education. It turns out though, the really tough thing about that is that it's not just sodium channels that can um, cause that QRS widening. Um, and there's some really good work out there in particular by uh, St uh, Stephen Rohrer and colleagues. And what they did is they, they've looked at what happens when you have a decrease in your cell-to-cell -cell activation. And when you have gap junction antagonists in place, the end result is that there is a remarkable slowing in cell-to-cell -cell activation uh, in a sheet of cardiac myocytes. And you go from about 36 centimeters per second in control cells to about 0.3 centimeters per second in gap junction uncoupled cells. So there is this really, really interesting in vitro data out there demonstrating that when you inhibit gap junctions or uncouple them, there is remarkable um, uh, slowing in cell-to-cell -cell activation that results in a very atypical um, depolarization that's not very functional, which frankly is what we see in bupropion poisoning. And so we see these electrocardiograms that look for all the world like a typical sodium channel blocker. But for bupropion, that's just not the case. This sort of brings me to my last question. There are a few case reports out there of bupropion wide QRS being refractory to hypertonic sodium, our go-to treatment for wide complex QRSs from toxicology causes. After the long discussion we've had here, we can understand that maybe there's a mechanism for that, that it's gap junction blockade, which wouldn't really be affected by sodium. And I think that could maybe lead some to think they shouldn't try hypertonic sodium for wide complex QRS and bupropion. But there are many cases where it has worked. They likely are not published. And I think there's a lot of hypotheses for why. But what are your thoughts on the use of hypertonic sodium, which is currently the standard of care for wide complex QRSs in bupropion overdose? So what I hear you saying, Ryan, is that occasionally we see sodium bicarbonate actually narrowing the QRS in cases that are reported as bupropion poisoning. And I, I hear you, uh, they're published in the literature. There's plenty of them that are published. Um, my personal practice is frankly to assume that there's more to the story than I know and to assume that there is sodium channel antagonism until I know otherwise. I think it's an important tool, especially in the undifferentiated patient who may or may not have had bupropion on their list. Uh, common things are common and sodium channel antagonism in toxicology is as common as just about anything. And so I tend to treat upfront empirically, assuming that they're not wildly hypokalemic, for example, and so on, uh, as, um, uh, as if there is some sodium channel antagonism. Uh, however, it turns out that it's even more complicated in the case of bupropion. And the reason that it's more complicated is that there are different concentrations of membrane-bound uh, sodium channels around gap junctions than there are in other parts of the cardiac myocyte. And so I personally think that there's more to the story that we just have not elucidated yet. When you look at the superstructure of the cell membrane around where the gap junction that houses this, these connexons and connexins exist. Um, I don't know the answer to that, but I do think that there's probably something to that. We just don't quite understand what it is yet. Absolutely fascinating. We have data that bupropion does not block sodium currents, and we have evidence that gap junction uncoupling or inhibition can lead to a similar disorder depolarization, which would manifest as the same clinical findings on an ECG. 
and bupropion appears to act similar to other gap junction inhibitors when examining the electrophysiologic effects on cardiac myocytes, leading us to believe that bupropion likely inhibits cardiac conduction via gap junction uncoupling. But there's still much more to be known about this mechanism, and toxicology cases are rarely cut and dry in terms of exactly what the patient took. So our standard of care therapy for wide complex QRSs, sodium bicarbonate, should still be a first-line option in wide QRS. We just need to recognize that the patient may be refractory to this therapy and have further options available, like ECMO. Thank you so much, Dr. Olives, for sharing this information with us. It is my pleasure. And we didn't even get the chance to talk about the potassium channel antagonism, but I'll send you these, uh, these papers and uh, you do with them what you see fit. I will be putting all of those papers in the show notes. And for those listening, you may have heard we didn't actually talk about whether bupropion affects the connexin itself. And we don't have a lot of data for that. There was one study in 2014 by a Dr. Burham that showed the inhibitory concentration 50 for bupropion on connexin 43 was greater than 50 micromolar, which is a lot higher than other known gap junction poisons. Even lamotrigine and fluoxetine in this study had gap junction inhibitory concentration 50s less than 35 micromolar which would imply that those drugs are even more potent at the gap junction. So it's possible that bupropion doesn't directly interact with the connexin 43, or maybe it does when people are achieving very high concentrations, greater than 50 micromolar. And in fact, we do have evidence that at those higher concentrations, we see bupropion interfering with connexins. In a 2014 study where they soaked chicken cardiac myocytes in increasing concentrations of bupropion, ranging from 50 micromolar all the way up to 200. They found that there was a dose-dependent decrease in the overall connexin 43s expressed in the cells. They also saw an increase in the disorganization of how the connexin 43s were localizing. So it's possible that bupropion interferes not just with production of connexin 43, but its regulation, turnover, and assembly into the connexon. And it might not be an acute effect, but something that requires continual exposure at these high concentrations in order to deform the connexons as they're turning over. But of course, it's always more complicated than we can really suss out. When they perform this exact same study in developing embryonic mouse cardiac cells, they found bupropion didn't interfere with connexon 43 protein expression. So I do think there's going to be a lot more to come on this subject. One final interesting piece from these in vitro studies. If you listen to the full bupropion episode, you heard us talking about potential mechanisms of the cardiogenic shock that can see in bupropion overdose. And we alluded to the fact that it could be from gap junction blockade or inhibition leading to dis organized depolarization and ineffective contraction from that ineffective depolarization. Yet, in this in vitro study, even when bupropion didn't interfere with connexin 43 in the cell cultures, it still interfered with contractility, suggesting that it may have a direct cardiotoxic effect independent of its gap junction abilities, which might explain why we see such nasty cardiovascular effects with bupropion. And none of this data really examines the toxic metabolite hydroxybupropion, which might have interesting effects itself. Always more to the story. 
For now, just remember, bupropion does not block sodium channels, and its gap junction effects are going to cause all sorts of nasty things like wide QRSs and potentially cardiogenic shock in your bupropion overdose. Be sure to check out our full bupropion episode to hear this conversation, as well as many more conversations about bupropion seizures, bupropion brain death mimicry, bupropion cardiogenic shock, and just about everything you can imagine. The full episode was released alongside this, as well as a mini episode on how to predict or help understand who is going to have a delayed seizure. That episode is with Dr. Ari Phillip. Okay. If you like what you're listening to, please give us a review. It helps us reach other people interested in learning about toxicology. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lab Poison, myself at EM Poison Farm D. We have an Instagram, Tox underscore Talk, and a Facebook, The Poison Lab. You can always reach out to the show at ToxTalk1 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening today, and I hope you can tune in next time. Hey, Toxo, can you play us out? The information on this show is for educational purposes only and should not be interpreted as medical advice or treatment recommendations. Contact your doctor for health questions or call your local poison center at 1-800-222-1222. The opinions expressed on this show do not represent those of our employers. This show is poorly written and shoddily produced by Ryan Feldman. Don't forget to give it a share with your nerdy friends. Cheerio mates. See you next time.